Okay, this is a call out to my listeners. I do not have a lot of sponsors for this podcast on purpose because I don't want to waste your time with products I am not crazy about. Well, I do have two that I am crazy about. The first one is LLC TLC. This is where you can save money on your car registration every year. You can set up a Montana LLC and pay no sales tax on your vehicle purchases, which is really amazing. Now, you can also permanently register your classic cars in Montana to avoid any annual renewal fees. And as your registered agent, LLC TLC will handle everything for you so you never have to step foot in Montana to take advantage of this incredible offer. Now, as a listener of this podcast, they are offering 30% off your entire package. Now, to get this, simply go to llctlc.com slash classic or mention this podcast when you call them directly my other big sponsor of this podcast is euro classics out of dayton ohio now that's euro classic with an x.com if you want to reach them in person you can reach them at 937-299-1311 now this is where i get all of the work done on my porsche i just had uh, my gto in there my mustang's been in there it is the place to go if you want awesome service at an extremely competitive price so when you go there, just ask for Dale and tell him that I sent you. Thanks to this episode's sponsor, LLC TLC. They are just doing an incredible job saving you money on your registration. Be sure to register your vehicles, airplanes, boats, street legal side-by-sides, and trailers to your own Montana LLC, and you will pay $0 in sales tax. So go to LLCTLC.com for more information. Hey, it's Greg Stanley. Welcome to the Collector Car Podcast. We're coming from the win in Las Vegas as part of the Las Vegas Concord weekend. So... I uh, have some fun guests here today. We're going to talk about a few of our favorite cars from yesterday. It was quite a show, just some amazing cars on offer. And so I'd like to welcome Dan Bosch, Denise Bosch, and Rick Ebers. How y'all doing? Great. Well, great to be here. Well, so we want to have fun with this. I wanted each of you to kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, if you're involved in the car world, how, and tell us one or two of your uh, favorite cars, and we'll kind of talk about why they were special. So I'm just going to start down the line here. Rick, at the far end, tell us, you know, one or two cars, what you liked about them, and, uh, you know, we'll tell you if you're right or not. Well, I have to say I was born I was born in the front seat of a 32 Ford Roadster at Mark Carmel Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, so I guess I got gasoline in my blood from the very beginning. Uh, I'm a docent and have been a docent at the Mullen Automotive Museum, and I'm a docent now with uh, Pebble Beach Concours. We also do La Jolla, and this year we were asked to come up here where we basically take VIPs uh, like you uh, on tours of the field. And uh, I guess the biggest challenge to that is just you've got to learn about 250 cars. So if you ask me about that car, and I, I have to act like I know what it is at least. Right, and that's how we met because yeah. we took the docent tour yesterday right. where you educate us, walk us around a little bit, tell us about the car. And it's just fascinating because you're very knowledgeable. And so tell us what really stood out yesterday uh, that you, you think was one of the best cars of the show. Well, I have to start. I have an NCRS shirt on here, so... Uh, I won't hold that against you. Okay. <laughs> uh, anything, Peter Brock, and he spent, uh, with my colleague and I, he spent about two hours with us uh, on, on uh, Thursday and walked us through all these cars. And I have a 66 Corvette, so it kind of resonated with me. So any of those Corvettes in the field, and there's a lot of more things that were my favorite. Obviously, uh, I'm a French Art Deco kind of expert, if you want and of course, the 1939 Delahaye uh, 165 World's Fair car, 
uh, 12-cylinder supercharged car that was a finalist for Best in Show at Pebble Beach last year. It was probably one of my favorite cars. Uh, I love the Cassell, or Cassell, the uh, 1919 uh, Cassell, this, like the oldest one of those cars. They, they made about 1,200 of them, and there's only 30 left. And I'd never seen one before. So that kind of car that I've never seen is always very important. Um, the Lola, um, I know uh, Alan Grant. He lives where I, close to me, about five minutes away. And uh, I love that Lola. That Lola was the car that really inspired the F40 uh, Daytona, you know, the beat Ferrari. So uh, that's a really cool car. And he's completely restored it, brought it back to originality. And he's just a cool guy. So I, I enjoyed that. And probably the biggest car there was the Mormon Meteor. And uh, we had a lot of fun with the, the owner and the guy that restored that car. And uh, unfortunately, I had to give him a second place award. And then he won best in show. So... That was, uh, that was but really interesting. That thing fires up. It's just unbelievable. And I have to say one more thing. There was a 62 Ford Thunderbird there. And before I went to college, I worked for General Tire. And my job was to do hand layup and the tonneau covers that covered up the rear two seats. So every time I see one of those cars, I said, oh, I, I made that. Oh, that's so cool. That's kind of a fun thing to do to be. Yeah. Nut -turner. yeah. So now I said one or two and you gave me like seven. So <laughs> that says like you're you're a professor by trade. Is that right? So you educate and you teach. That's what you do. Uh, I was. Uh, yeah. My area is public health. And I always tell people I get paid to profess. Uh, most of the other docents of the Mullen Museum take two hours for a tour. Mine takes five or six. <laughs> but I also we have a lot of art. So I always like to hit all the art that we have. Well, I want to ask, you know, the Boshes here if they any of those cars resonated with them. I will say the. The French Art Deco car, is that the red with white interior? Red with white interior, yeah. Now, do you recall what you told me, uh, why that wasn't a great color combination? Uh, well, when it came that way originally, and it's a long story about it, it ended up in L.A., and the guy that owned it was trying to sell it to a number of movie stars. And one movie star, who I will not mention, uh, took a look at that car and says, bright red with white interior only a hooker would drive a car like that <laughs> give me my black Duesenberg that's all <laughs> so uh it was it was interesting but it actually ended up in in uh in Pearl Harbor which was interesting it was there when Pearl Harbor was attacked it wasn't damaged but the owner was so uh anyway it's a cool color combination yeah sexy car yeah now I know the Boshes hung out a lot with that yellow Mormon meteor yeah. we did Tell us how you're involved in the car world. Well, my wife and I own a restoration shop, the Antique Auto Shop in Hebron, Kentucky. We've been in business since 1969. We've had cars at Concours events around the country. Uh, we travel to a lot of Concours events throughout the year. I judge many of them. And that has actually led to us creating our own Concours event called Concours de Vue, a Concours with a view which is in northern Kentucky, and it overlooks downtown Cincinnati. And people might say, you want to have a Concours event in Kentucky looking at Ohio? Well, I can tell you that the view from our Concours event, it looks like you were looking into the lights of L.A. at night. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's yep. a 700-acre park. Uh, people that have visited the site have said it is the absolute, one of the most fabulous places to have a Concours event. Yep. And that being said, um, Stuart, uh, Sobek, director of Las Vegas Concours, has become a very close friend. I've been with him since 2019 when he started LVCE. 
And um, I just, uh, uh, we brought cars out here to his event. This year we brought a 1934 Plymouth PE Coupe. Uh, we restored it for a customer about 15 years ago. It still shows very well. It was actually a trailer mate with the Mormon Meteor, Harry Yegi's car. And our shop and, and Harry's establishment, uh, probably 20 minutes away from each other. So I've heard about the car. I've never actually seen the car. I finally got to see the car and the presence, the size, the, the sheer, it just, it's the 800-pound gorilla on the show field. It, it's just amazing. And to look at the engine, it's a piece of jewelry. Right. And when he started it up to go to get his, sorry, first place award, <laughs> it, it was just, you know, I worked for the racing series for years, too. Just that sound, it, it comes back to you. It's just so neat. Yeah. And, and it's just, you know, uh, it's a great car. And um, it was directly across from our car. Uh, if I uh, had to talk about another car that, that I thought was probably one of the best on the field um, was Dick Harden's uh, 28 Auburn. Yes. And I saw that car for the first time last year in his shop near Dayton, Ohio. Uh, he has two of them, an orange one and a green one. And I have seen that car three or four times since then at different events. And he seems to win everywhere he goes. And it's just a beautiful car. It's a neat story because his father, um, he and his father worked on the restorations of those mm -hmm. cars. His father's passed, and he wanted to, to finish the cars in his honor, which was neat that, you know, and I was talking with Dick yesterday. He's like, I wish my dad, you know, he would be so proud to see what we've done with the cars. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just stories like that. It's, it's the relationships that make the concours, the events. The cars, yeah, they bring us all together. And, and even if they're red and white, they're not that great. But, you know, talking to the owners, that's mm -hmm. what yeah. it's all about. Yep. It, it's, it's the relationships that you develop over the years with the car owners. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I, I remember that car when it debuted at the Dayton Concord a number of years ago. Yes. And, you know, whenever you hear, like, fastidiously, you know, like, restored by the owner, I, usually that's red flags, you know? That's, <laughs> oh, no. As a restoration shop owner, yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. But that, the work on that car is just unbelievable. Very high level. Yeah. Okay. So I know, Denise, you spent a lot of time with that car uh, and the Mormon Meteor because you guys were so close yes. all day yesterday. Yes. What are your thoughts? you love them just as much as the rest of us? Yeah, I do. Um, it's, it's a huge car. <laughs> but, but like Dan said, the, the sound it makes when you start it up, it is fantastic. Mm -hmm. It's just something to, I don't know, you can just feel the power of the car. I was not able to be there when it started up. Unfortunately, I would have loved to have done that. I w we visited the shop years ago, and just a side, quick side stories. In front of the, at, at the shop, in front of that car, there was a, a wooden crate, all unrestored, original crate. Inside it was pine straw. Inside the pine straw were two cardboard boxes, and it turns out that in the cardboard boxes were two uh, NOS Duesenberg radios in the original box, in the oh original wooden crate, in front of the Mormon Meteor, which is just unbelievable. So. Now, Denise, you, uh, I know there's a couple cars that caught your eye yesterday, and I, I'm drawing a blank on the second one. The first one I do remember is the little Martini Porsche. Yeah. Why did the Martini Porsche? I, it just stood out because um, of the colors, the striping, and it's just iconic from our era growing up. It's just that car that, you know, yeah. you always dreamed of being able to have or drive or, you know, right. I don't know, at that time. <laughs> what was the other car? I am totally drawing a blank. It was that silver Mercedes, kind of across from the Porsche. That was the, I think it was a 500K, just gorgeous. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was unbelievable. sparkled, and it was mm -hmm. just. You know, what's interesting about that car is they're so iconic. They're so beautiful. They, you know, they were one of the cars that made Mercedes Mercedes, obviously. And then 
you know, they were ripped off forever afterwards. You know, I think of the reproduction cars, the Excalibur, you know, all this kind of stuff, but you go see the real one mm -hmm. and it is just unbelievable. So I do want to know your thoughts, Rick, about that car. Well, um, I don't like Mercedes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I've only owned three of them. So I guess I'm, I'm I've had 45 cars and, but, um, uh, I think it's, it's a gorgeous design car, and I think it inspired so many other things. And that's one of the things that I, I like to connect as a college professor is how things flow and how designers look over each other's shoulders and take ideas. It's like the Type 55 Bugatti, uh, the John Bugatti's car, you know, probably inspired 15 other designs, you know, and uh, Jaguars and MGs and things like that. So that's, to me, the... The stories of the people, to me, are the most important things, you know. The people that show up that you can listen to and learn from uh, are the most important thing. And then, in fact, when people come to the museum, I try to tell them the stories behind the car. They don't care about the cubic inches, and they may not like okay. to know who owned the car, but how the car was, who developed it, how did it get together, what problems, like the, the, the Julian Julian Brown's car, you know, there's only one of those in the world, but what did that guy have to go through to actually create a company? He only built one car, right? you know, but he inherited like $2.5 million in, you know, 1910 or something, <laughs> and a lot of money then. But those kinds of things I, f I find very important and the influence that they have, uh, like the Tatra, uh, you know, basically was the background for the Volkswagen Beetle, okay? And in fact, Tatra sued Fernand, uh, for, hate to say this, uh, for <laughs> Freddie Porsche, uh, for, uh, for infringement, you know, on, and, but yet everybody kind of shared things and, and it, those cars that influence other cars to me and the people behind them really make the most, uh, interest to me. It's really interesting to say that because, you know, there was all sorts of crazy stuff out there. You know, you had like the original Batmobile from 1989, mm -hmm. um, I do want to talk about the uh, circle door. Uh, you said uh, that was one of your favorite cars. Yeah, so. we'll get to that one in a second. Yeah. But talking about history and the stories of the people, Shelby America had an incredible display out. I mean, they're obviously based here in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you had, I think it was the last 289 Cobra ever built. You know, you had, you know, just incredible lineup there mm -hmm. of some of those cars. And I know you, you like those cars, you know? Absolutely. Uh, we actually... <laughs> uh, built backdraft cars as a the Shelby tribute for many years at our shop and until the economy kind of tanked in eight, nine, and people thought kit cars weren't a great thing at the time. But uh, just the story behind the car and, and what Carol Shelby has brought to uh, anything automotive, performance mm -hmm. and, and the, the look of the car and how he did it. And th there's not another story like that. Mm -hmm. there, there really isn't. And... Um, if you get a chance to visit the museum, either later today, it's amazing. Uh, the stories behind the cars. Uh, I mean, if you look at a car, I mean, the cars out there on the show field, they live very nice lives now. Mm -hmm. They never lived lives yeah. like that in the past. Right. They had hard lives. Mm -hmm. Now they're treated very well, mm -hmm. including all the Cobras. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were raced. They were beaten. So yeah. let's, let's, let's think of that from a standpoint that they're still worth so much money today when they were a simple race car. Yeah, and it's it's crazy. It's kind of like a moment in time I have to remember because this just happened yesterday, but we're walking towards the Cobras. You know, there was a, not a real one, but a Daytona uh, Coupe was there and P. 
Pete Brock is walking towards us. <laughs> and I, I just like, that guy looks familiar. You know, so I ended up, you know, having a nice conversation with him. You know, as I'm walking towards kind of the cars he obviously designed, just right. incredible. You know, the back, the back of that car that's all yeah. cut off, you know, uh, Pete was telling us, Peter was telling us that uh, when the U.S. Army got into Germany, they were going through all these documentations and records, and they found all these records about cars, and they didn't know what to do with them, so they called General Motors up and said, and Chevrolet particularly, and said, and we got all this technical information, testing, and wind tunnel stuff from, uh, from these German companies. Would you be interested? And said, sure, and it got stored someplace. And anyway, Peter was looking through those one night, and he saw all the technical information for that rear end. And that, all the research was done. And so he uh, actually went to Carol and said, you know, I think this is a good idea. And Carol said, no, 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 we don't like that. But it was Ken Miles that said, I think this is going to work. And that's where you got that rear end of the car that came the from yeah. drawings and technical information from Germany. Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible, yeah. Well, tell us about the, my favorite car, well, so many good ones out yeah. there. But one of my favorite cars was the Circle Door Rolls-Royce. Right. Tell us about that, and then you guys tell me your thoughts on that car. Yeah. You, you want me to tell yeah, you Yeah, why don't that? you kick it off? Oh, yeah. Well, that's a, a reconstructed body on that car, but it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, first time I saw it in person was at the Rodea Drive Concours, and I had a little Peugeot, you know. <laughs> but I'm parked right next <laughs> to that that uh, Rolls Royce, and it's just amazing how f I th I'm really interested in how the windows in that circle door come up, and the way the door turns in, and the way turns it turns, uh, I guess vertically, you know, not, uh, and so I I've I know a couple people at the Peterson Museum, and they let me sit in it. I've never driven it, but they let me sit in it, and it, it was just a thrilling thing to get in, and the red interior and the black outside. It's just a good contrast, but it's huge. It's not like the Mormon meteor, but it's huge. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it attracts, wherever it goes, it attracts attention. And they had it sitting out there by itself, but it, whenever I looked, there was always a crowd of people around it. Right. And because uh, right next to the Batmobile, I wasn't too far from that. But. <laughs> it was the Art Deco version of the Batmobile. Yeah. That's what it was. That's really you know? what so it was. So it was yeah. really, you know, made a lot of sense that they right. were next to each other, believe it or not, yeah. you know, so... Um, any other comments about some of the favorite cars you saw out there? Or it was an outstanding field of cars this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 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 hard to pick a favorite. There were so many good cars. Yeah, I did give the first place award to that Auburn though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dick appreciates yeah. that. And he, great he and couple. Great are, they're a great oh, couple. Yeah. They're a really great couple. Oh, they are. They're they're again when and shows that I judge. The best part is you go to judge a car and you ask the entrant. Tell me a little bit about your car and just the stories. They just, they light up and they want to tell you in a couple of minutes what they've done with their car, how they acquired it, why they have it. It's, that's, that's the best part of it. Yeah. Uh, I've trained some of our docents to show cars at Pebble and other places. And uh, I've got some of the background information about how judges prepare. And they all think that when the judges are coming, they're going to judge them. And they probably know more about your car, <laughs> and they've seen it ahead of time, and they kind of got a good idea. And they ask you, tell me a little bit about your car, which is interesting, but they're kind of, take it down a notch, you know, and give me five things. Don't give me 500 things, because you know, they only got a certain amount of time to do it. Right. But that's 
when I, when we get a walk around, I'm not showing a car like we did here. I get a walk around and meet people and spend some time. Usually when I'm in a car show, I'm, I've got to stick with my car. And uh, one thing nice about being a docent now is I get to get around the whole field and uh, get to see all kinds of things. And we had a great time here because we didn't do a whole lot of tours. Mm-hmm. They kind of gave us a lot of other things to do that we weren't prepared for. <laughs> like, Give out the awards, okay? Yeah. So, but. Well, before we wrap up, this is a curveball, but I'll start so that you know you guys have time to think about it. Um, I want to know what is your what was your first car you bought with your own money, and then I want to know what is your dream car, money no object. Um, this will give us a little insight into each of you. So um, I will start. My first car was a 1960. Eight Mustang Coupe. That sounds cool. I just had to make sure that my first car was a Mustang. It was a thousand dollars. It was a six cylinder. It was a three speed. I turns out I didn't have an engine when I bought it. I, I bought it from my cousin. <laughs> he found an engine, and we got it running. And uh, you know, my dream car. That's always touch, such a tough conversation because most of them I haven't driven. Uh, but I would say a Duesenberg convertible SJ, just because I want to have room for more than just two of us. You know, I want to bring mm-hmm. the family and. Uh, Anyways, that's mine. So let's go down the line here. Dan? So my first car that I bought with my own money, well, it's a 1967 Olds 442 convertible. I still own it. I've had it about 38, 37 or 38 years now. Um, my grandmother co-signed a loan so I could buy it. And it is in the process of being restored. Of course, owning a shop, my things have to go to the back burner a lot of times. Uh, that being said, uh, I hope to finish it uh, uh, by spring and get on to another car that I that I want to start on uh, in my collection and I do have four Corvettes so okay. it's just you're not we're good okay. I am NCRS you're, so despite what Greg thinks I, I like NCRS I, I'm good I with do it. too I love Corvettes 67 is my favorite year that's okay. the one I have one of those yep and a ZR1 yep and a 60 all right you can stop now okay <laughs> um with money no object if I could have a car I've absolutely always loved the Duesenbergs I have to agree with you on that mm. but the iconic car that I want, I want an Aston Martin DB5. Okay, cool. That's that's a car I want. All right, Denise. So I guess the first car I bought with my money would be my 1986 Honda Prelude, which replaced my 1984 Honda Prelude. Okay. But the 86, the difference was it was a five-speed. Uh, yep. More fun to drive. Um, it was black, and I don't know. It was just a lot of fun. It's a great car. That's <laughs> yeah. a great car. Um, Dream car, money, no object. Gosh, I, I don't know. I really haven't thought about that. It would have to be a convertible. Okay. All right. Well, we can find you a convertible. You don't have to worry about that. All right, Rick, we'll close with you. Uh, my first car, well, actually in the seventh grade, I bought a Chrysler Fardown V8 engine for 75 bucks out of a junkyard. And I was a paper boy, so that was a lot of money. Uh, the next year, uh, a friend of mine and I were kind of getting into cars. We, we were handing wrenches and going to get beer for got older guys that were restoring cars. <laughs> and we had a 40 uh, Ford that we were drag racing in B-Gas. And uh, we said, well, we ought to do this ourselves. And he said, he lived out in the farm, and he says, there's a car out there, a coupe, I think it's a 40 Ford. We went out to check it out. It's a 40 Willys. And we paid $2.50 each for the car. So I could afford that. Wow. And uh, we eventually got the guy with the Ford and we formed this partnership and ran the 40 Willys and we were ET national champions on and off. And in 1966, I sold my third for 6,000 bucks and I paid my way through college. Wow. Very nice. My Corvette in 1966 cost $6,200. Wow. Uh, and I've already had a chance to get my dream car. Uh, 
I did a favor for the international director of marketing for Bugatti, and he says, if you're ever in Molsheim, stop by, and we don't do tours, but we will take you on a tour of the atelier. And I said, all right, well, it happens we're going to be in Budapest and then go to Nuremberg, and then we're going to go to Strasbourg. And he said, okay, we're only 14 kilometers away, so come on over. So uh, he took us on a tour of uh, the atelier. We got to see the cars being assembled. And then we sat down for five hours, the screen about as big as that wall, this one, and for six hours, we designed our own Bugatti Saron. Wow. Starting with the ground up, carbon f- pattern of the carbon fiber, stitching on the seats. Uh, we opted for the two glass panels in the roof. That's a $400,000 option. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, it ended up being $6.5 million. I got a disc. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. Nice. Wow. So, so you have the virtual version of the car, I do. right? But yes. I have, uh, we had all the Bugatti legends at our museum and I got to drive every one of them. So uh, mm. there was a, a cop, the, the, the uh, Rembrandt Bugatti uh, car was over in the show field, in the hyper field. I, I got to drive that one. So uh, it, it was fun. I, uh, and then they took me on a ride from Olsheim and they, they put 500 miles in the car and they take the car down to uh, Colmar, to the airport. I didn't get to drive it, but I got to drive down the Autobahn in it, and uh, we can put about 300 miles on it wow. around the airport. The guy testing it out, make sure everything worked all right. No speed key. Okay, right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's incredible. What yeah. a great story. What yeah, great. yeah enjoy. Great. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all of you coming out to you know share with you know some of the cars that you enjoyed from the Las Vegas Concord Elegance. Um, you know, maybe we can try to do it again next year. And uh, for all my listeners on the uh, podcast, thanks for. Listening, thanks for watching as always, and I'll talk to all of you next week. Okay. Thanks a lot. Appreciate Thank being you. here. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Greg. Yep. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.